Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Meadow, Schmelk, you, the phone. 201-939-4513. It's our first show since the game on Friday night. We've had a couple of days uh, to marinate in what happened, but we obviously take your calls and talk about that. That'll be the focus of our open. We also had some practice today, one that I thought was dominated by the defense, especially up front. They were in the backfield, especially in that last oh, yeah. couple of drives of practice. Leonard Williams, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Dexter Lawrence. Aziz Ojolari, all of them made periodic visits into the backfield during practice That's today. one way to put it. Yes, obviously there was no um, contact, but there were a couple coverage sacks in there, two lands, where yeah. there was good defense in the secondary. So I thought uh, the defense had a fire lit underneath them at some point. They came out today and were pants on fire at practice today. Yeah, Daniel was running for his life, it seemed, yeah. more often than not, because he had no angles to throw the football to. It and when, speaks and volumes when, in the and defense. And when he wasn't, he couldn't find them when open down the field. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. He just yeah. took off, or they obviously they wound up getting to him I also thought and once again this is not reading too much into one practice but it just looked kind of sloppy on offense today John there were a few bad snaps as well yep. and I think there that was, was probably a product of the defense getting the better of them but something tells me that the film is not one that they're going to put up on the wall and continue to watch and pat themselves on the back at least from an offensive standpoint today you know it was a hot one today too oh was it ever Ooh, it was this was that type of weather where you didn't have to move and you were sweating or you felt like you jumped into a pool yeah I went out there and then like Five minutes later, the sun broke out from behind the clouds, and you like the sun was kind of behind me, and you just feel like the sun on the back of your neck oh. and the back of your legs, and I'm like, I better go get a hat because it was it was a rough one out there. Yep. Uh, not a rough one for the Giants in the preseason game on Friday. They come away with the win, um, and you know it was a close game. But when the starters and backups came out of the game, the Giants were up a couple of scores in this game. So I thought they played particularly well, and I guess we'll start first lines with that first team offense. I mean, you can't really script it up much better than that. It wasn't a perfect drive, but it was kind Pretty of close. as close as you're going to get on an NFL drive for how that drive went. Ten plays, 75 yards, five first downs, a touchdown. The only negative on the drive was really a Daniel Jones incomplete pass to Darren Waller that he put on him maybe a little bit late. It gave the corner, or I think it was a corner up, step up, hit him, the ball hit the ground. It was, it was a safety, right? Wasn't it Von Bell? I think? It was, yeah, it was Von, Von Bell. Bell. It was a yeah. safety. You're right. Thank you. And it was ruled incomplete, but really, if that's, and this is what I wrote on our cover four on Giants.com this weekend, there's a chance, and I will, not based on any information I have, but just based on my instinct, I think there's a good chance. That's the only time we're going to see that entire first team offense out there on the field together over the course of this preseason. To get that, I think Brian Dable was very happy to say, all right, 10 plays, touchdown, you guys are done, off the field, see you later, sayonara, nice seeing you, we'll talk to you against Dallas on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, he may have not shown it after the game because he wasn't necessarily jumping, jacking all the way through the media questions, but I do agree. I think he's content with what he saw. I still say if you wanted to put them out for another series, I don't think it's a crime. I don't think it necessarily hurts it. I wouldn't have a problem with either, but my gut is I, that it's not going to happen. Yeah, and I'm with you. I think that most coaches operate from, okay, I want to get a little bit of the rust off. I want to see whether or not what we saw in practice translates to games. 
We were able to move down the field. It wasn't as if it was a shortened drive off a turnover. We saw how everybody operates. We finished in the red zone. All in all, you covered. See, John, to me, it's not just getting the starters out there. It's the fact that you put them on a litmus test yep. of a variety of different things within a drive that you want to see get done. One thing they didn't do on the drive, run the football. Yeah, well, Saquon <laughs> wasn't even on the field on that drive. Well, not yeah. even Saquon, but... Run the football with a running back. They passed on every single play. Yeah. And look, guys, this wasn't complicated concepts. They weren't sending four or five guys into the route. Uh, Carolina played zone for most of the drive. They threw a couple short ones to Waller. They had a couple play-action boots, get the quarterback on the move. You saw Daniel Jones use his leg on, legs on one play to get close to a first down. So it was the type of stuff that the Giants have schemed up before, whether it was play-action, quick passes, quarterbacks running that worked for the offense last year and looked like they were back and, and just good to go. But again, you're not going to see anything crazy in the preseason. As we spoke about, I think it was on Friday show when me and you did it. Preseason is a liar. So obviously don't take, you know, go out of this and say, oh my gosh, Darren Waller is going to be my first overall pick in fantasy. <laughs> the team's going to, you know, get 430 yards per game. And the Giants will score on every drive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So remember, preseason's a liar. The Panthers are being very simplistic. The Giants were also being very simplistic. But... From the short dosage you had, you can feel good that the offense looked strong. And again, most importantly, and this is why, again, it's just my gut, I don't think we'll see the Giants' first-team offense or, or defense for the most part again. The most important thing, Lance, most of the star or all the starters, at least, came out of that game healthy, and nobody got hurt. Well, that's the ultimate goal. You ask any coach, any team, they want everybody to survive the bulk of the preseason and be ready to go for the start of the regular season, even though there is that two-week window built in after the last preseason game. We were talking about this a little bit on Friday. That's why if you did want to play some of your starters, I have no issue with that. But from what you read into, what you take away from that drive, it was efficient. Guys were in the right place. You were able to run through the basics. Anything beyond that, I think, is adding a bit of hyperbole here into the conversation. Carolina, you have to understand, teams are not studying opponents in the preseason. They're not going out of their way to strategize how to slow them down. Carolina also did not have its best pass rusher on the field, too. Let's not forget about that. This is not to take anything away from that what the Giants Brian accomplished. Burns, Brian Burns, correct. All this is is it's the fact that you want to be encouraged that they can get through the natural assignments and you're able to finish your drive. And there was a little bit of the idea, hey, if Darren Waller is that good, that teams are going to have to take notice of him. And as a result, that will open things up for other players on the field. That, to me, is maybe the biggest takeaway, John, more so than anything else. Because clearly you saw on the touchdown to Bellinger, you know, Carolina's defense said, okay, you know, Waller's had his fun. Enough is enough. We're going to pay a little bit more attention to him. And then that's how all of a sudden on the opposite side of the field, Bellinger is left open and he's able to make a play. So that was the thinking that we discussed all throughout the course of this offseason, how one game changer completely changes the dynamics of your offense. But most important, it changes how the defense views you. And that, to me, could be an indication of what we'll see moving forward. Anything else beyond that? I don't think it's necessary to read too much into, but you do like the level of efficiency that they were able to showcase on that opening drive. Yeah, we saw a couple different formations as well, a couple yeah. different personnel groups, which is good to see. Uh, other notes for the game, Lance, I'll kind of take them one at a time here. Jalen Hyatt had the lone 30-plus yard play for the Giants. Isaiah Hodgins had a 25-yard catch. That was a short catch and run. But Jalen Hyatt had that big pass downfield. Uh, they got him out on that free safety. He faked the little poster over route, went back out to the little flag corner route, and really left the safety in the dust for a touchdown. Uh, the pass was even a little bit behind them, but he had so much separation that it really Let's see, there was up there difference. for a year and a Sunday. Exactly. That's so that, that one, I believe, was from Tyrod Taylor, yep. uh, the 33-yard reception. So, again, good to see Hyde in the game, and I think you saw his explosiveness, and this is the downfield passing game that we've been asking for for the last couple of years, and at least in this preseason game, you saw it from the Rook. And you also saw him bounce back, which oh, may yep. be the best takeaway Agreed. of all. 100%. Right? Mental spot early in a game. You're wide open. You can't hold on to the football, and then they go back to you very shortly after that. Very next play, actually. Yeah. Very next play. So, I mean, I think that's what you like to see, especially out of a young guy and any other receiver in that room with Jalen Hyatt, who's been a first-year player, clearly they all have been, will tell you about a scenario, whether it be in practice, whether it be in a game, they screw up, they have some type of a mental mistake. And John, you don't always get an opportunity that quickly 
to right the ship. So he got the opportunity. They called his number, and he made the most of it. I think that's part of the learning curve, right, of any young player, and he answered the call with flying colors. So that's another encouraging sign that, okay, there is going to be a point this season where things are not going to go according to plan for Jalen Hyatt, right? I mean, that's just the nature of the beast of the NFL. He's not going to catch every pass. He's not going to make every play. He's not going to be 100% in terms of his level of execution. So his first taste NFL preseason action where he deals with a little bit of adversity and he's able to respond and regroup, that, once again, I think is a very encouraging sign. Another item on the offense, I thought the pass protection in the first half was pretty good. I saw two plays where it looked like the offensive line had some issues with stunts, one on the both on the right side of the line with Lewinsky and Neal. Yeah. Um, again, it's hard to tell how they're supposed to pass those off a lot of the time, but both are on the right side. Uh, one led to that Jones scramble on the first drive that we talked about, the one against uh, that went around on Neal was a little bit later there in that first half. But then I thought Neal and, and Schmitz on that gray – touchdown run up the middle, it was a little trap play, and those guys got out to the second level, and you saw blocks against linebackers by both Neal and Schmitz, and I thought that was good to see in the run game. I also think that Gray deserves credit for fighting yep. through uh -huh. a lot of traffic in that pile because I think if you looked at some of the replay angles, you initially thought, eh, maybe he's short. They could perhaps overturn that. I would have not been surprised if that was the ultimate result, but he was able to hold the ball out, and I know in the postgame, conversation he mentioned that the coaching staff could maybe criticize him for reaching out because right you're told don't do that because then the defender is going to have an opportunity knock the ball out unless it's fourth down of That's course one yes. if it's do fourth it. down yes. it's the end all be all but anything earlier than that you won't live to see another down so I mean the fact that he was at least thinking about that after yeah. the fact right another positive takeaway but I thought Eric Gray overall, by the way, and I don't mean to get off topic no, here. No, get to but, the special teams. You know, I was going to bring that up next. Yeah, Go ahead. With special teams, right? If you remember, I think we got a phone call on Friday. Mm -hmm. Concern about putting a young guy out there. It's not the right thing to do. And we said, you got to play, right? He's got to go out there. He's got to get his feet wet. And probably the best thing of all to take away from this last game was to notice the ball sailing out of play not make an effort on the kickoff, and all of a sudden you get the ball starting at the 40-yard line. And he had kept his feet in the end zone, so if he did catch it, it would have been a touchback. So just all-around yeah. smart play on that. The fundamentals were on full display, and mm -hmm. that was another thing that you see. You could tell just the way also he talks after the game. He's been a sponge here. He's learning from every little nuance of football that he's been exposed to. And I thought he made some huge strides in terms of the special teams play. I know that, you know, there was another one of those close calls where, you know, he may have not had great footing, but he was able to finally secure the football. And that's going to come. But having the mental fortitude to realize, hey, we could get excellent field position and I'm in a spot where either the ball goes out of play or to your point, it's a touchback. Those are the types of split second decisions you want to see out of a first year player. Then another rookie, Jordan Riley, had a nice stop on a fourth and one. He was a big topic of conversation. Hey, by the way, also on Gray, Dable pointed out today that it was kind of windy too on Friday night. So we got to see him deal with a little bit of wind on some of those punts too, which he was happy about. But uh, back to Jordan Riley, he had a nice stop on a fourth and one to close out a drive. He spoke yep. to the media a little bit today uh, on the side. He talked about how he's pretty happy with how he's played the run so far and he's working on pass rush. And I think when you watch the tape, that's kind of where the strength is. And I know people are very excited about him. And we've gotten some calls. I think his, you know, his arrow for the roster is probably pointing up. Um, and I know we had a call from Len last week. I think uh, Marcus McKeithen, even though he didn't play in the game, I think from what I'm talking to coaches, I think they're pretty happy with him too. Um, but Riley's somebody. I don't know how much he's going to play, even if he makes the roster, Lance, because he's going to be behind Dexter, Leo, Nacho, Ashawn Robinson. He's probably the fifth guy uh, in that list. You know, we'll see about Ryder Anderson if, you know, how he kind of. He's still dealing with injury. Goes yeah. into that situation. So he might not even be active on game days a lot of weeks, but. I think the coaching staff has been pretty happy with him. Well, I think the positive here with Jordan Riley, to your point, there's a lot of people ahead of him on the depth chart. That goes without saying. But once again, you can't guarantee me, John, that all those players you mentioned are going to be fully healthy of course. for all 17 games. So you want to walk away with saying, in the event that Week 7 comes around and Jordan Riley has to take on a larger role, we feel good that he's going to be in the right spot. He has the ability to penetrate right in the backfield. He's active. You notice him. And I will go so far to say, John, this— Seventh-round picks, a lot of them are roll-the-dice type of players, right? Yeah, you're, you're you get something out of it, you're great, fantastic. Yep. I can't remember talking about or noticing a seventh-round pick in the last decade. Is that yeah, too much of a stretch here? It's been a while. I mean, when was the last time we talked about a seventh-round pick mm -hmm. potentially making the roster and having this type of an impact? I can't recall that happening. So, I mean, that's an accomplishment in itself. And here's the other thing. If you're DJ Davidson 
who spent the beginning part of training camp on PUP, he's now off of it. You know, I'm sure you're taking notice, right, John? Because every year you get a new influx of players, and Davidson is probably saying to himself, okay, they brought in Sean Robinson, they brought in Nacho, a lot of veteran leadership. I need to find a way to carve out a role. And all of a sudden, this kid, Jordan Riley, yeah. who was a revolving door in college, I mean, he pretty much put his stamp all over the map, not to make light of it. I mean, he went to no, community three, college. Three schools, yeah. I mean, you name it. So, I mean, it's hard enough to solidify your spot, and then all of a sudden, the first two preseason games, you're noticing him, and you're noticing him, and it's not about getting to the quarterback. It's not about sacks. It's about the ugly, dirty work. He's getting in there. He's stopping the run. He's helping them in those short yard situations, and that's exactly what I think the Giants envisioned yeah. when they drafted Jordan Riley. You want somebody to help clog up the holes and shore up what was a major problem last season, the inability to stop the run. And then I'll just mention Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins in the game. I thought, you know, both guys are pretty quiet. And for corners, that's good, Lance, because it means they're not getting beat. Yeah. You do not want to bring up their names. And by the way, speaking of Deontay Banks, I don't know if this was discussed with respect to other individuals on this show, but when the assistants met with the media early in the week, one play that was brought up, if you recall, John, about Deontay Banks was the play from the first preseason game when he was on Jamison Williamson. And there was a big debate about he was trailing on the play and whether or not that was good positioning. You know, he has that reach, that lengthy arm that could help knock the ball through. And the reviews from the coaching staff seemed to be they were very pleased with where he was positioned on that play, even though it looked as if perhaps the offensive player had a step on him. So I think... It's another indication, you know, we throw out pro football focus numbers here and there, that the lens of the coaching staff is sometimes different than what the naked eye tells you mm -hmm. when you're watching from afar in a game. I just, I thought that was an interesting observation. I was surprised. When the and I was yeah. honestly surprised well, and I too, said that, to be honest. As well, because I think anyone watching that was like, yeah, you know, that happens again. And the ball was dropped before his arm got it. Exactly. Back. Yeah. So that's why I brought that yeah. up. Now, mm -hmm. is that... The coaching staff looking to encouraging. I'm I'm sure that that may be part of it. But I also don't think they needed to go out of their way. That's also true. Yes. To do that as well. Mm -hmm. That's why 100%. I want to say. And that was Jerome Henderson, by the way, yep. who I'm referring to, who had mentioned that. Yeah, and we actually saw Paul and I had that exact same Oh, you did? Okay, I wasn't no, sure no, if you No, no, I'm, not, I'm happy, I'm happy you why. gave your two cents. Yeah. Because me and you, the way you just described it, we were on the same page. Yeah. We're like, eh, but... You know, Jerome said he was happy with where he was, and he got his hand in there. So, um, one more thing. Anything else on the game you want to touch on? I th thought those were all the plays. Actually, one other play I did want to bring yeah, up, John. Ahead. Bobby Okereke. Oh, yeah. I think we should highlight mm -hmm. him, sure. right? He was tied for the team lead with seven tackles, and that's great. But there were a number of plays where you could tell the running back was sort of iffy which direction he wanted to go, and Okereke didn't overcommit. I think there was a play on the left side, I want to say, and I'm referring to him facing the left side, where he was in the middle of the field, the running back was a little bit jumpity, and then he finds the hole on the left, and McKinney did a great job hustling over to make the stop, but Okereke was there as the insurance policy mm -hmm. to help clean it up, so that's another indication. All the indicators of what we thought about, okay, everything looks promising in stopping the run, that, I think, is yeah, adding up so far in the preseason. And he also had a blitz, Okereke, where he ran over Chubba Hubbard, just, like, trucked him and knocked <laughs> him down, which is also fun to see. And the last thing before we get to your calls at, at uh, 201-939-4513, I thought, and I'll reference this back because we kind of touched on how the rookies did in the game, right? I thought some of the things Brandon Brown said this morning, and I just kind of want to bring it back, in terms of how they scouted and found some of these guys late, like the Jordan Rileys yeah. and the Trey Hawkins. And even Jalen Hyatt, and it's a little bit of a separate conversation, but I'll throw both at you. You can take it any way you want. He More referencing Hawkins and Riley, he's like, look, he has traits that he's good at certain things that we know is important to our coaching staff. You know, Hawkins, physicality, length, speed. Jordan Riley, size, strength. And while maybe some of the tape is uneven and there's a lot of things they have to work on, they have faith in the coaching staff, and you know, especially you you look at the experience of the defensive line uh, coaching staff. One of the you know best defensive line coaches in the past you know ten years. He's just Andre Patterson. He's yeah. fantastic. Doctor Dre, by the way, apparently Doctor Dre. That's what they're like. Correct. Yeah, I like that. It's pretty neat. And then you have Jerome Henderson in the back half, who Wick has been effusive in his praise for him, and they've really turned these traits into guys that can help early on. And then back to Jalen Hyatt, because this is a conversation we had on the show a bajillion times. Um, last offseason leading into the draft, and they asked Brandon Banner behind, he goes, yeah, look, we had to do a lot of extra homework because we had to understand 
was he not doing more in their offense because he was incapable of it? Or was that just the scheme? So we talked to his coaches, we talked to these guys, and we learned that he had a lot more to give than what he was being asked to give in that offense. Now, this is why, and we always say this when we do our draft stuff here, right, Lance? We can only see based on production and what's on the tape. We don't have the ability to talk to coaches and guys like that to find yep. out what else these guys can do. And they had some insight that, look, they thought Jalen Hyatt can do more than what he showed at Tennessee, and I think early returns are positive for him and those other two guys. And I think it just... I think he did a good job of encapsulating of how the scouting process helped the Giants find some of these guys that, at least in the early going, and there's still a long way to go, guys that maybe could help them as early as this year. Well, especially since you're seeing contributions in the early stages. Mm -hmm. And once again, we got to go through the regular season. Consistency is so important. We need to play a real game first. Yeah, before all of a sudden we start crowning these individuals. But no, I thought Brandon Brown really went into the details about also, the involvement, John, of multiple individuals in the front office and the scouting department. Tim McDonald. Yeah, yep. Dennis Hickey, Dennis Hickey, who he, he credited with yep. finding Jordan Riley and saying, hey, guys, you may want to go to a few extra games and notice him because I think he had mentioned it was Dennis Hickey who saw him he and went immediately yep. noticed his presence. And then Tim McDonald and Brandon Brown went, and then they basically said, okay, yeah, there's something here that is not just face value that if we apply him on the field that we can make the most of him and when you find the guy who you can notice who once again John I go back to if you look at his sample size before Oregon I mean it was hard to tell who Jordan Riley the player was no idea I mean you know some years a red shirt year other years a complimentary guy and even the stuff that he did at Oregon he's not the first guy you notice well you're constantly you on the film you're constantly changing systems changing yeah, coaches it's, crazy. it's very hard so to be able to identify that... That's why they're professionals and we're yeah. not. <laughs> no, without a doubt. And and once again, we got a long way to go, but right. and I get it. It's you know something that you're seeing, I'm sure, with other teams. They get input from all individuals. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you build a very strong scouting department. But what Brendan Brown was doing, and this is really what I like to hear from members of the front office, they don't speak in generalities. They give you specifics. Mm-hmm. Like He was exactly on point. This individual went to see this guy on this day in practice, which led to this decision to then see X amount of games. And, you know, that really, I thought, brought us behind the curtains to give us an idea of how the communication and the operation works. Yeah, and to how they work with the coaching staff, too, in yeah. terms of Hawkins and Riley. So I thought it was very interesting. And it shows how, you know, if you really have a good understanding of what your coaches need from certain positions to have success, you're going to be able to find players up and down the draft. Well, because to piggyback off of your point, one of the things that Brendan Brown mentioned is they go to Wink, they go to Kafka, and they ask them, okay, give me traits you're looking for in a player. And when Wink gives you the list of, okay, I need X, Y, and Z because I'm going to ask a corner to play press coverage, meaning I want him to be physical at the line of scrimmage. I may ask the corner to come and help at the line of scrimmage to stop the run. If you don't find the trait of physicality when you're scouting a corner, I don't want him because I don't see how we're going to be able to fine-tune him and fit him into Mm -hmm. the defense. With Hawkins, they saw that physicality. They saw that length. They saw special teams. He encompassed all of those factors that, once again, the Giants are now trying to tap into. Run or walk with Giants legends. The Giants Foundation will host a 5K Racing Kids Run presented by Quest on Sunday, October 8th at 9 a.m. at MetLife Stadium. Net proceeds will benefit the Giants Foundation. All participants will receive a commemorative T-shirt after the race day for a festival with appearances by Giants legends and a live DJ. Register now at Giants.com slash 5K. Single game seats, they're on. They're available. They're officially on sale. Don't miss the Giants at MetLife Stadium this season. Visit Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat today. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds you know, the basketball nerds. They're like, you know, who's really good? Creighton. You don't watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, going to win. Not the Big East tournament? They're, well, I mean, they could. maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But, like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. that. Like, that's why do we all have to act like Creighton? Is a, is, a, is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, 
Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we got a bank full of calls. Let's try to bang through as many as we can today here, folks, at 201-939-4513 and start with Donnie in Queens. In fact, Donnie, I believe, is the caller you referenced from last week, Lance, that had worries about Mr. Gray on punt and kick return. Donnie, what did you think? Punt return's not good. Uh, Again, catching one, running up and falling to the ground. He's not ready to do it when the bullets are flying for real. Uh, And that was kind of my call and my question. I mean, look, definitely a heads-up play on on the kick, but you know those are less pressure plays. There's a, there's a lot more room to operate there, as we talked about last week. If I'm not mistaken, Jamison Crowder has uh, a history of returning punts. Is, is that correct? Yeah, that's yeah. correct. And, and and so to a lesser extent does Cole Beasley. Yeah. So I mean, to me, I just I just don't like a guy learning that job basically in a training camp when he's got a million other things thrown around him as a rookie. It just it just seems like it's it's too much for him. He's not quite getting there, and you could talk about the wind throwing. Well, well guess what? That wind's only going to pick up. Uh, now, Donnie, I will say night. this. We have not seen a big mistake from him. We have not no, seen that. And by the way, not in practice it. either. He has not really <laughs> dropped it in practice either. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm being honest with you. Sure, and look, that's that's good. But he's never, like, under that ball cleanly catching it. It always seems like he's sprinting up to it or moving as he's getting – I mean, he's had, what, eight punt returns in a couple of games, and he's caught two of them going to the ground. It just it just doesn't look right. And then you couple with that with his history of it in college, it just doesn't look good. But, look, something to continue to keep an eye on. You know, the coaches aren't stupid. They're, they're thinking this, too. They, they probably know. And they have some veterans in their back pocket if they have to go to it. But just overall about the game, then I'll hop off because I know you guys have other callers. Sure. Just, I thought good, clean operation mostly. The defense had some gas there with the – Neutral zones, that, that's not something I'm concerned about. That, that's never going to probably happen ever again. They also had a roughing the passer penalty. There were a lot of yeah. – there, yeah. there, were, there were 10 penalties throughout the game, which Brian Dable is not happy and, about. And by the way, the yeah. Dexter Lawrence penalty was identical to the Baldonado penalty in the hey, first look, preseason game. If you hit game. a quarterback in the head, it's going to get flagged. Yeah. It's just it doesn't matter the force. Stay away from the head of the quarterback. Well, don't give the official. No, I know it's written with it force has to be a forcible I, blow, but yes, but, just don't give him. Just don't give him the option. Yeah, because John, 100%. the bottom line is, no, I'm not saying that you're disputing this, but I look back at the rules. It does reference force, but the official is not evaluating okay. that in real they time. About your hand came 30 miles per hour. They're erring on the side of exactly. Caution there, you hit the helmet. Period. It's yep. a flag. No, End of you. discussion. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. My 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 takeaway in a play like that is that. Dexter destroyed his man, and more times exactly. than not, he won't, yep. he won't inadvertently hit a, a face mask. So that is like the correct said, way to look at it, Donnie. Health. Correct, correct. They, they yes. got out of they got out of the game healthy. Um, there was good things to build off of. I'm sure there's a lot of coaching tape. We're three weeks from today. I'll be waking up after a long night at MetLife. Hopefully, a good one. So let's just continue to stay healthy. Like you said, this is all really full gold. All this stuff. And, uh, you know, we'll keep an eye on things as we go forward. So, appreciate the time, guys, and I'll talk to you soon. No, nah, thank right. you, Donnie. Good stuff. So, still, he's still not on board on the punt returns. Well, and I referenced that earlier when no, we were talking did. that he did yep. lose his footing again. So, that's happened two times. No dispute there. Absolutely. But I still think that they want to give him every opportunity. Jadon Minkins, by the way, is another player that has some punt return exposure and experience. But here we go back to what you and I were talking about on Friday. If they don't have the luxury to keep an additional receiver who is specifically a special teamer, this is where you're going to give the young player like Eric Gray an opportunity. And based on how the mathematics play out, and you know, there's a number of injuries, by the way, that Brian Dable ran through yesterday. I'm not saying anything serious, but Jason Pinnock, by the way, who we didn't bring up, is now dealing with a leg injury. We don't know what the roster is going to look like, John, as we get closer to cutdown day. And now you may have to keep an additional safety. You may have to keep an additional defensive lineman. You don't have the ability to now all of a sudden hold on to an extra wide receiver simply because he could return punts. You see the Sheik so, Pearson with the injuries on it? That's where... The list of players? Yeah, I have there it up in Thank front you. of me too, John, if okay. you want me to read through it. Yeah, today, it. Uh, yeah. Phillips, Anderson, Jack Anderson, um, Ryder Anderson also, by the way. Yeah, who's already uh, been out? Brightwell, Sweeney. Yep. Um, Cam Brown. Cam, Cam Brown. Nick McLeod. Uh, Nick McLeod. Jason Pinnock. Pinnock and Cordell Flott. Yep. And I missed one name and I can't read what I wrote. No, I think you've got through everybody. Beasley. Oh, that's yeah, Cole Beasley. Beasley. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I can read your handwriting yes. better than you Apparently, can. Apparently, yes. yes. 
So those are the guys that did not practice today. Yeah, well, but that's yeah. a lengthy list. And mm-hmm. once again, I'm not saying anything is serious. And he was asked, by the way, about Wondell Robinson's status. I just, I crack up. Oh, what did he say? <laughs> I missed that one. I wasn't there for, for Coach. No, somebody was, asked. I was, they I was go, busy at the dentist. They go, I, I, I want to read you the exact question. Is Wondell Robinson any closer to coming off of Pup? Brian Dable's response, yes, a day closer. <laughs> Deadpan, correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, and that that's always the end. No, because we get calls. I think it was Paul and I. We had a conversation about, you know, right now it's the land of the un- unknown with Wondell Robinson. So callers come up and be like, no, but Dable said he's getting closer to returning. Can we relax? You know, just like you shouldn't read so much into preseason games, let's not overanalyze the press conference. We've been hearing Wondell Robinson's getting closer, I feel, for the last few weeks. It's what's called coach speak. Well, remember, I can take a step outside this building Take one step to my right. That means I'm one step closer to California. There you go. Guess what? I'm still not close to California. Yeah, good luck we're, finishing we're one that day trip, cl- by one the One day closer to Christmas. We are, yeah, we are. Exactly. There you go. We are yeah. one day. We are now. We are one more second closer to Christmas. So Yeah, the ball in Times Square is getting one well, that hasn't moved closer yet. to. That well, no, in my yet. mind, though, it's moved slightly, okay? <laughs> the bulbs were checked and fixed, so it did move. Okay? It maybe shook to the right and shook to the left. It moved, though. Trust me. My sources are very reliable and strong. Exactly. So yes. if you're getting closer, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're close. Or he could be close. He could be activated tomorrow for all we know. Well, and <laughs> these are all mind games that yes. we are a sudden being chess right. and uh, exactly. checker parts in. Yes. All right. Let's go to uh, Tom in Stratford. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Tom, what's going on? Hi, gentlemen. I'll be fast because I know you have a lot of callers on. And uh, Lance, I don't think we've ever talked about a seventh-round draft pick. Um I saw Jordan Riley actually started the game. I thought that was pretty good. I was very um, disappointed that Jihad Ward lined up offsides. I mean, I could see that on TV. I don't know why he didn't see it. I'm going to give Banks a pass on that because, you know, he's playing all the way out on the outside. It's hard for him to see the ball the way even the line of scrimmages. But, you know, when you're a linebacker and you're right there, you should be able to see it. And I will say uh, this and again. I, th- I, I, I have to look at it again. I think Banks apparently did check with the official on the sideline, and he kind of gave him the thumbs up, but then he threw the flag anyway. I don't know if that's true or I not. But, but the bottom line is any pre-snap penalties, I'm not giving anyone a pass on anything. Just line up in the right spot, please. Just line up right. in the right spot. It's, it's the basics. Right. And I thought uh, Tebow had a good game against a quality offensive tackle. I can't pronounce his name. But Tim? I think he was best. Yeah, Tim Tebow? Uh, Is that who you're referring to? <laughs> I didn't know Tebow gave up broadcasting and joined the Giants. As an offensive lineman, that too. Come? Very yeah. impressive. Exactly. I didn't play tight end. <laughs> Tom, who are you talking <laughs> no, about? Yeah. Oh, Tebow, you mean Kayvon Thibodeau? Kayvon. Oh. Yeah, Kayvon. Oh, Thibodeau. Yeah, okay. Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Yeah, yeah. so we can Thibodeau. practice. It's <laughs> just like the Knicks head coach. tib a doe Thibodeau. There, there you go. go. Rolls off good. the tongue. Congratulations. I, yeah. I, I thought he had a – well, can you help me pronounce the offensive tackle that you <laughs> Oh, yeah, that would be Icky Equanu. Yes, Icky for the Panthers. Equanu. He was almost a giant okay. last year, by the way. So you, yeah, you know, well, we talked a lot about him. Yeah, too. sure. Yeah. But I didn't bother learning his name since we didn't draft. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I thought, I'm going to disagree with the previous caller. I thought that was a nice play by Gray when he ran up and caught that ball. Um, I thought he made smart decisions on the kickoffs. And I actually liked his blitz pick pickups. Yeah, you know what, uh, Tom, I'm sorry for interrupting you. I just want to jump in. I think his blitz pickups were strong. He's very eager to get in there. He's very willing to block. I think maybe they'll go back and look at the execution on a couple of them that maybe they could have been a little bit cleaner in terms of technique. But, yes, he is more he is, he is working his butt off trying to be good at blitz pickup because if he plays on those third downs, he's going to be challenged on them. Right. And I thought Glowinski uh, was fortunate he wasn't flagged for holding on um, Gray's nine-yard touchdown run. I'd have to look um, at that again. I, I'm not sure about okay. that. Um, and then, you know, do you know how many wide receivers they plan on carrying? Because uh, nope. I mean, they all looking pretty good. I would say I, w- I would say probably the most likely number right now is six. But you know, depending on what happens with Wandell, seven would not shock me either. But it'd yeah. be tough because you just run out of spots. Yeah, I, I always lean towards six. And I know I think it was maybe last year, or the year prior, they kept seven, but then they wound up making another transaction, so they ultimately didn't have seven wide receivers heading into week one. So that's another thing. You know, they could keep seven initially because 
they're impressed, and then all of a sudden somebody gets available on the waiver wire, they have to make another move, and by the time week one rolls around, you only have six wide receivers at your disposal. And I'll lean towards that, despite okay. what we're seeing depth-wise. Okay. And and how is uh, JMS snapping the ball? I heard you mention that there were some snapping issues. Is he doing that dead snap thing? Or yeah, he... it, it wasn't Schmitz that had the snapping issues. Okay. Right. Yeah, it was the backups. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, two more things. I mean, I love how Bob Popper uh, calls the game on TV. He tells you who's lining up where, uh, you know, because it's really hard to tell sure. when you're watching it on TV. So he does a great job there. And I was also wondering if you guys are going to have a 53-man prediction show this week since we're not going to talk to you after the last game and before the cutdown. Oh, yeah, we are. We're going to talk to you next Monday, my friend. Cutdown day is next Tuesday. I think, what, actually, oh. what, 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 what time is cutdown day? Usually it's 4 o'clock. Is I'm it correct. 4 still? Yeah, yes, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to have two shows yeah. then before we get there. So, oh, yes, okay. you, will, you will have our full roster predictions next Monday and next Tuesday. Okay. I, 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 for some reason, I thought the cutdown was like on Saturday or Sunday. It used to and be I mean, yeah. in, in years past. It has been and and yeah. and, and Tom, oh. thanks for the call. Yeah, when you used to have that fourth preseason game, they would do it because that fourth preseason game was on a Thursday, and then they would let yep. people go on that Saturday. Correct. Sunday would be waiver claim day, and then Monday you would you know add your waiver guys, drop whoever you're not going to keep, and then that's kind of how that would roll. Yeah, and that would usually be over Labor Day weekend because yes. you know Monday of Labor Day is usually the start of typically the first week of. The regular season. No one's happier with the new arrangement than the people that work for NFL teams. <laughs> not yeah. not on the football side because they're working anyway, but people sure. like Dan Salomon upstairs, no one is happier that he does not have to worry about putting those roster pages together on Labor Day weekend. Yes, and it is 4 p.m. Eastern. I'm looking it yeah. up right so now. So we're going to have two yeah. shows next. We're going to have shows on um, Monday and Tuesday. Make sure you check it out. And by the way, starting tomorrow, it's supposed to be today. But since practice got moved back to a regular time, uh, we kept the show at 1.30 today starting tomorrow and for next week as well. Shows will be at 11 a.m. Uh, to accommodate the practice schedule for this week and next. And then um, unless they change the regular season practice schedule, which I suppose is always possible, but right now it looks like we'll be back at 12.30 uh, Monday through Friday once the regular season starts. So we're moving around a little bit. Again, starting tomorrow, 11 a.m. for a Big Blue Kickoff Live, and then we'll – Get back to our normal time at 1230, uh, the week of Labor Day. And I think we'll probably try to do a show on Labor Day. We'll have to figure that out. I haven't thought that far ahead yet. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Go subscribe to the Giants Little Podcast, folks. Uh, it features interviews with current and former Giants. The one that just went up today, I had a chance to talk to R.W. McCorders about the big 2007 Super Bowl run, the big win against Dallas. Of course, Giants take on Dallas in week one of the season. So check that out. We have other good shows coming up later in the week. Dan Hatman, who basically um, runs a scout academy and teaches scouts. So we did a full hour on how you scout players. That's going to be on the Giants Huddle Podcast, and it's going to be on draft season as well. So go check that out on the Giants app, favorite podcast platform everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. And don't forget to go download Giants TV, the Giants official streaming app. It brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV. And don't forget the Giants mobile app. Finally, when you're on that app, go check it out. Become a Giants season ticket member. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. Stay connected to the team all year round, not just on game days. A lot of cool stuff. A lot of exclusive member benefits. Visit Giants.com slash take us to find out all about it. Limited inventory is, however, available. 201-939-4513. Let's go back to the phone and say what up to Brandon in New Jersey. He's up next. Hi, Brandon. Uh, what's going on, guys? Um, real quick, Lance, seventh rounder. Uh, wasn't Tay Crowder Mr. Irrelevant? Yeah, yes. Crowder was yeah. Crowder. I mean, it's yeah. funny. Lance and I both I, had that up, and I, and I was going to bring that up. Tay Crowder's one, and the one before that is probably Bobby Hart, who yeah, played, Bobby started Hart. a significant yeah. amount but, of games for the Giants. But attack. my main point was noticing them in the preseason. I don't remember. Of their rookie year, correct. I don't remember yes. talking about Crowder and Hart so much in the preseason. So, yeah, those are two good examples of guys that did contribute their rookie years, but we're talking about Jordan Riley after the first two preseason games. I don't remember that holding true. For those other two guys. Michael Cox, Marcus Kuhn. They also had small roles, yeah, small roles. time and time sure. again. They're, they're yeah. pretty good. And then um, Matt Dodge did stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Something tells me they don't want us to bring up that name. Matt Dodge did stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, what else you got? All right. Uh, two points of clarification and then a small bone to pick with Schmelk ahead of your prediction shows. Uh, my clarification, did Brita play? 
Yeah, Breida yeah, was with they, the first yeah, team yeah. offense that first drive. Yes, he did not run the football, uh, but he did play. That's why I didn't see him because it's like we didn't run it at all. I, I all will right, I will uh, check to see how many snaps he played for you. Okay. Uh, my second point of clarification is: let's say I'll give you an example. Uh, James Robinson, let's say, gets cut. Um, we signed him to a one-year deal. If the one-year deal isn't fully guaranteed, does that money return to the cap because he didn't make the roster? It doesn't count. So, ag- like, it, it does. It does. It, it, right now, that money does not count against the cap at all because he's not one of your fifty-three most expensive players. Yeah, the fifty-one most expensive. Fifty-one most expensive is players, what you. counts now. Then we go to the regular season. That's when it goes to the fifty-three. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. All pick right, your bone. Like, oh, what do you got? Well, apparently he's calculating the salaries for running backs. So. That's, Actually, I already know what time it is, but I would like, before you do your prediction show, please put a little disrespect on the Cowboys. I'm so tired of all the high-end respect when I don't see uh, safety, defensive tackle. Wait, 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 hold on. Bank. You don't do wait, time out. You, you, time out, time out, time out. You don't see a safety on the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, well, NFL players, sure. I mean, like, one that gives you nightmare. I'm talking about, like, Freddy Krueger. I see two corners and a defensive end, right? Like, the rest of this squad is NFL players. Um, do, I, you, do, you, do you realize what the Cowboys defense was ranked last year? Uh, but that's last year. You know, you, every year nothing comes transfers year to year, do, bop, bop, bop. And do you know what they added what? in the offseason? What did they add? I'm sorry. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, who was the defensive player yeah. of the year corner two years ago. Yeah, Malik Hooker and Donovan Wilson are the two safeties. I mean, that's a pretty strong tandem. J. Ron Curse. Yeah, sure. He's I don't, a really good player. I don't think that's a weakness for that no, team. Not, I mean, those guys are big together. At all. Yeah. De- now, defensive tackle. You're right about defensive tackle. They have some young, inexperienced guys well, Mazzie there. Mozzie Smith. Who... And run defense has been a weakness for them. If you want to pick on a weakness on their defense, you can go after defensive tackle. And you want to talk about your linebackers after Leighton Van Der Esch, who's a pretty solid player? You could talk about that. But I don't think... I mean, I think when we did our position rankings, I think universally all four of us, me, you, Cross, and Paul, all had the Cowboys as the best safeties in the division, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't know. I think Pearson had yeah, added I, I, the I think it's, up. I, the I think it's in the document, up. actually. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I certainly remember giving that duo its fair share of respect because, I mean, once again, you talked to us all about continuity under Dan Quinn, their defensive coordinator. So, I mean, that, to me, I think carries some weight. Yeah, and if anything, I think I would have more questions about their offense than their defense. I think the defense is just the, the, the strength of the roster. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean. And y'all got them high. Like, every time people talk about the Cowboys, it's always like, who's the best in the NFC? And he's like, we well, got to put the Eagles up there. you got to put San Francisco up there. And then you got to put the Cowboys. But the Cowboys have just as many holes as the average NFL, NFC uh, team. Like, oh, we have Brandon, Brandon, how many I mean, wait, games did the Cowboys win the last two years? You back talking about years past, and I'm just yeah, but they have the same roster. They didn't yeah, lose yeah. anybody, Brandon. They didn't lose anyone. Well, Brandon, but but the Cowboy the Cowboys have a better track record than ninety five percent of the NFC. So I think that does matter. You talk about a team that's won three NFC East titles in Dak's six full years as the starting quarterback, plus they won, they earned a playoff spot in another year. So that's four out of six years where he's been the starter and they made the playoffs. And you can't really point to a lot of other teams that fit that bill. And they've won 12 games two consecutive years. That's yeah. a really hard thing to do. They do a good job of beating up on their own division, which is where I'm actually getting at where the disrespect has to Because if you look at the Giants roster last year and the Cowboys roster last year, then yeah, there's there's places we just couldn't exploit. We just didn't have enough talent on the field to exploit these pieces. So they look better, right? So Well, it, I mean, in, in fairness, though, I could say that about every NFC East team that played the AFC South last year. The schedule overall is tougher for everybody. Yeah. I mean, you can really make That's that point 100, for— 100%. You made that point for all four NFC East teams. I think the fact that you're signaling out the Cowboys is just because you don't like them, and that's fine. You may not like the Cowboys. I'm not telling you to like them. But at least let's operate based on a factual background here. That's all. It's a matter of respect, I think. Like, but, when John was doing what? the Eagles, he was one with the Eagles— um, guy a few months ago and it was just like oh the eagles you were glowing about them and just made me so mad but yeah, it's like but they're good no but brandon look it doesn't it doesn't take anything away from the new york giants the progress they're making and how good the team has become and where they're headed and how good the situation here it doesn't take anything away to that to recognize that the three other really good teams in the conference 
are the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Cowboys. The Cowboys beat the Eagles twice last year in the regular season, Lance. Am I correct? Well, no, they that? split. They split? The Cooper Rush game they lost. The Cooper Rush they, game they, they, they lost. They won with Dak. Right. Yeah. All, all, all I'm saying, Brandon, is that it doesn't take anything away. Brandon, let me ask you a question. When's the last time the Giants beat Dak Prescott? Uh, we haven't, but our team hasn't been good enough. And that's why I was really getting to It's like when you look at their division they have to play in, I think that those holes are getting exploited this year. I know you guys are real glowing about their safeties, but I just think they're NFL players. I'm not saying that they're scrubs. They're just NFL players, which means they can be beat. They have two all-stars on the outside, and they got a defensive end that we're going to have problems with. By the way, they have. They have. By the way, they have. They might have the deepest set of defensive ends in the entire NFL. <laughs> it's not just Michael Parsons. I mean, I, I would they have to disagree to what, Demarcus I, Lawrence? What, what what is he? Chop liver? How about, how about Dante Fowler? <laughs> yeah. Demarcus where? Demarcus, Demarcus Lawrence. Lawrence. I'm talking about. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence. Eh. Did you I mean, watch like, him again? Brandon, 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 listen, Brandon thank I, you I, I mean, funny. it gets to a point. Listen, I understand he doesn't like the Cowboys, no, and, that's and that's fine. fine. I, I'm not going to dispute okay. that. But then when you start having that get in the way of facts, I mean, when you start there's killing, no point to killing, having this I mean, did, did you watch the first no. game last year with Demarcus Lawrence face the Giants? Yeah, I mean, what he did to Evan Neal in that game. Not, not only that, it, it, to say that they beat up on the division, the Cowboys were eight and four in the conference last year. It's fine. You both had the safeties. Dallas was number one for both of you guys. How about okay. how the, about the yeah. other two? Uh, the other position groups? No, no, no. How about the other two You're hosts? You're talking about Paul and Howard? Yeah, how about Paul and Howard? Would they Let's have see. the safeties? JC had... Oh, yeah, because he is. That's right. JC had Dallas. Now, Paul, Paul had Dallas as well. Did, look, Datino's the litmus test. <laughs> If Detito had that, he can't stand. <laughs> you all ass. had Giants number two. Yeah, well. right. Yeah. Look, and guys, here's the thing, and we've talked about this, right? And this is why I actually hate the fact that it's a week one game because I would like to see Dallas and the Giants play maybe first week of October because you get the teams kind I of. I would into say that about all divisions. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I'm with you. So I, I, you know me, I've complained about it on the show many times. I hate these week one division games. I don't want to. I don't want them. I think they're annoying. I want to see these two teams when they're kind of you're kind of learning more about them and see them play. I think you get more out of that than you do in week one. Here's the point. Dallas is a litmus test for the Giants. Dallas beat them twice last year. Philly beat them twice last year. Okay. And Dallas, you know, once was without Dak Prescott even playing. It was when Cooper Rush is a starting quarterback, right? That's correct. Yep. So the goal here is can the Giants close the distance and or catch and or pass Dallas and Philadelphia this year? What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> Until they're able to do that, that's going to be the question. And by the way, if you want to say Dallas isn't any good, well, then catching Dallas isn't a big deal, right? If Dallas is just any other average NFC team, which belies evidence given they've won 12 games yeah. each of the last two years, then catching Dallas doesn't matter. But in reality, catching Dallas is a huge deal. If the Giants can finish this year with the same record as Dallas or a better record than Dallas, that means they've taken tremendous strides. That's why that's a real lofty goal. It's going to be tough to do, but I think the Giants have closed the distance. I think if you look at the talent on the roster, and I think, you know, Brendan goes too far one way, but I do think if you look at the talent on the two rosters, based on where we were at the start of last year and where we were at the start of this year, the Giants have closed the gap. It's a lot closer than it was. I mean, even if you look at our, you know, position ranking show from June and compare last year's numbers to this year's numbers, 
I only had the Giants, I think, one or two points off of Dallas this year. Last year, I probably had them 10 points off of Dallas in that same illustration, right? They've closed the gap. They're getting a lot closer. And I think it's going to be very exciting to see how they match up in this first week to see exactly how much they have closed the gap in that thing because that's the goal, right? You look at goals for this team to win the division. Well, guess what? To win the division, you got to pass the two teams that finished ahead of you in the division the last two years, Dallas and Philadelphia. And, yeah, Philadelphia is very talented. They only finished with one more win than Dallas in the regular season last year. Oh, yeah, those two teams were neck and neck, yeah. That's why I'm saying, I mean, it's a jump into both of those areas, not just one team. You're looking to really branch the gap with respect to the trenches. I mean, that's where the biggest difference is on the defensive lines and the offensive lines. That's why, you know, we're not just talking about Micah Parsons. you got to handle Demarcus Lawrence. And then in terms of the offensive line with respect to the Cowboys, you know, they've had some changes over the course of the last few years. There's no doubt about that. Zach Martin has returned to camp. You know, Tyron Smith is still there. Tyler Smith has turned into be a nice draft pick. But can Dexter Lawrence and company, can they all of a sudden wreak some havoc and get some pressure on Dak and slow down Tony Pollard so that Dallas doesn't get those big chunks of yardage that we've seen in years past. And by the way, you were bringing up the last time that the Giants beat the Cowboys with Dak Prescott. If memory serves me correct, I don't think that's happened since Dak's rookie year. 2016. When the Giants actually swept the Cowboys, Mm -hmm. and that was really the only blemish on Dallas's resume. Exactly. If you go back to that season, because Dallas won the division, the Giants got a wild card. 12-4 that year for Dallas, I remember, right? So, I mean, you're talking about... That's why I found it troubling that last statement about, oh, the Giants just beat... The Cowboys just beat up the NFC East. Their schedules are the same except for two games. You don't have that track record if you're just beating up the NFC East. And oh, by the way, I went back two years ago. Dallas was 10-2 and against the conference. So they were 8-4 and last year. They were 10-2 and two years ago. Once again, the facts just don't hold true to the pure emotion of that last caller. And again, I I think the Giants are close. And I think that's a big deal because I think if you talk to... And if you talk to analysts, like if you look at raw... You know, roster talent in the league, you know, Dallas is one of the them, Philly and San Francisco are cut above everyone else in the NFC. Yeah. I, I, they just are. I mean, if, if you look at the, the premium positions, cornerback, wide receiver, you know, tackles, you know, and it's just, it's, it's just kind of where we're at, folks. Well, and, that, I, and that's okay. That doesn't take anything away from the Giants. It just means it's going to be a challenge, and it's going to be fun to see if they can take these teams off the their, their relatively place in the hierarchy. And, and that's going to be fun to watch. I can't wait to see the Giants try and do that. It's going to be great. I would agree with you. I think the three most balanced teams in the NFC is definitely the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Niners. And I think the rest of the conference is really wide open, which the, I think is encouraging yes, for everybody. 100%. Not name those three teams. Because I was actually, I was doing this exercise on my serious show the other day. I went through every quarterback in the NFC. And, you know, you have a hard time putting together a substantive list within the NFC Daniel conference. Daniel Jones could be the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the conference Without a this doubt. year. Yeah, I Easily. mean, the bottom line is Dak is the most experienced polished quarterback in the conference yeah. right now. With Aaron in terms leaving, of track record, yeah, now you have Hertz. Now Hertz almost won MVP last yeah, year. Yeah, but, but the bottom, yes. but but Hertz hasn't done it for as many years as Dak has done. Correct. It. So mm-hmm. if you're combining everything, I'm not just talking about who's flashiest to you. I'm and talking by the about way, Cousins too. Cousins has a really yeah, good track no, no, record. Dak and, and those mm-hmm. were the two guys I brought into the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you know, you're talking about guys that have a track record of one or two years, showed some flashes, a bunch of rookies. So I mean, I think that tells you all you need to know about the NFC overall. But there's a reason why we have talked about those three teams in recent history. It's because they've been balanced and they have been consistent. And until you do that, then it's fair to question everybody else. Two oh one to the NFC nine three nine four five one. And by the way, if the Giants were in the NFC North or the NFC South, I'd probably pick them to win the division. Oh yeah, I mean they probably would be in the position of any other team if you swap the divisions. Absolutely. All right, let's go to Andrew in Virginia. He's up next. Hi, Andrew. Hey, guys, uh, great job. It's the two BBK maestros. Is there going to be a BBK community-wide roundtable at some point before the season starts, like uh, maybe the week before kickoff? What do you mean? And I don't understand the question. Like, a, like, like you two, uh, Cross, Madeline, Dettino, are you guys going to have like a – a full panel of everyone. Uh, well, we um, well we don't we season. don't have a big enough table for that to be totally, <laughs> to be totally it's honest. Not in the budget, yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure we're going to be able to figure that one out. We might have to do that over Zoom if we do it. But we and then but yeah, go ahead. And then uh, who's the leader in the locker room so far in the ping pong table? Who are the couple guys that are leading the way if uh, they are still playing ping pong? Uh, we, have not, yeah, we, we have not we have not been, been allowed in the locker room yet. Uh, in 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 training camp, 
everything is outside. They bring the guys out to us, so we have not been inside the locker room yet. So I, oh, I, I cannot okay. speak to that. But I can tell you, and I appreciate the call. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Sills and Saquon last year were, yeah. were two well, of the Saquon's better guys Saquon's very competitive. Sure. Yeah. So I would say, by default, they have to still be the clubhouse leaders until somebody knocks them off. Them. Yeah. Much like our conversation with the NFC East. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, we still go with the teams last yes, season correct. that set the tempo yes. until there's perhaps a new kid on the block. Remember, every year is new, though. The pink consoles don't necessarily traverse from one year to the other. Uh, yes. yes. Well, you're trying to build the parallels <laughs> to I bring am, us yes, over. I no, am. but in all seriousness— You can screen that, one more, Pearson. That no. last caller was uh. making the point that I'm, I'll be the first one to tell you. I always throw this out because I say this every year. Just because you have success one year yeah, doesn't mean it rolls over. But here's the exception. The exception to that— statement is when you do it for five out of six years leading into this season I still can then give you the benefit of the doubt that there's a very good chance you are going to be able to duplicate right. that success in especially the... if you bring back a lot of the same correct. guys on your well, roster. And, and members of the coaching right. staff too mm-hmm. yeah it's true for Dallas and Philadelphia's had some changes but the core of the roster and Sirianni still is there same from for an San Francisco San Francisco yep. with Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan and you know they promoted from within to replace Demico Ryan's so all of that holds true whereas in comparison the Giants okay last year was encouraging exceeded expectations, but that was only one year of a sample size that we have to operate, right, with Brian Dable and company. Like, same now, thing for the Vikings last year. Like, we're not putting the Vikings, in the, we're not putting, we're yeah. not putting the Vikings no, no, no. in the same category as, as those other three well, teams. Well, here's another reason why. When you win 11 games by one score in multiple years in a row, John, then I will right. give you the benefit of the doubt. Yes. And I will question whether or not you can walk that fine line and continue to close out games. So it's not just that Kevin O'Connell was new. It was the fact that they went 11-0 and in one-score games. Right. And look, I mean, you're just not going to do that consecutive correct. years. And the other thing that I look at too, Lance, you know, because records can sometimes be deceiving to your point with what we talked about with context, with um, point differential, winning close games and stuff like that. Yep. So I like to look at point differential. It tells you about the relative dominance of certain teams, right? Well, last year, Philly was plus 133. Only 133. Dallas was plus 125. And San Francisco was plus 173. So they okay. weren't walking that fine line. There was no other NFC team last year. Oh, my gosh. That was better than plus 26. Look at the drop-off. So there is 100 points worth of point differential that separates those three teams from the rest of the conference. I mean, so That doesn't tell you all you need to know. I don't know. In short, exactly. That's why I put those two, three teams on a different tier for now. Than the rest of the division. Now, where were the Giants, just out of curiosity? I forget off the top of my head. Lions were plus 26. They were the next team in the group. Okay. Seahawks were plus six. They were the next team. And then you had the Giants. The Packers were minus one. The Vikings were minus three. The Giants were minus six. They were all in that same, you know, right around even type of zone. And that's another reason why when you have a borderline 500 record, and I know there's now 17 games, but if you're in that 9-8, and 10-7 and seven territory and you play so many close games and you have a minus 6 turnover differential or minus 5, something's got to help balance those numbers out a little mm-hmm. bit more the following season, John, sure. because if you play some of those closer games, you can't expect the ball to bounce your way and you can't rely on your defense saving you. You're going to have to be put to the test where you score more points. So I would agree with you. I think Point differential is a very interesting indicator that tells you, and this goes back to, John, you and I have had this conversation, that 2016 team that we were talking about earlier with respect to beating Dak twice, they played a lot of close games. They weren't a dominant 11-win team yeah, that the, year. Yeah, the point differential tells you how many games did this team win going away where it's not close yeah. in the fourth quarter, right? Because those are games that show how dominant a team could be. You know, yeah, I, look, because that team in 2016 didn't score a lot of points. They were a defensive-oriented team. Correct. I'm out of curiosity. I'm bringing up the 2016 standings. I'm curious what the point differential was. I bet you that season for the Giants. Let's see. The Giants in 2016. You were close. Plus 26. Yeah, that was probably that, that, that yeah. was my. By guess. the way, the Cowboys were plus 115 that season. <gasps> oh, really? That was the wow. difference between Dallas and the Giants. Yeah. In the regular season. Yeah. And by the way, to your point, the one year that Dallas did not have success the last few years was the year that Dak missed yeah, the whole he year. He played five games. That was 2020. Leg, so, yeah. Exactly. They had All a revolving right. door of quarterbacks. 201-939-4513. And as Giant fans can attest to two years ago, when you have a revolving door of quarterbacks, it generally does not go very yes, well. Yes, and it's not fun either. No. Let's, <laughs> Both from a broadcasting and a consumption standpoint. Let us never relive yes. that. Jeff in Rhode Island, he's up next. Hi, Jeff. 
Hey, fellas. How you doing today? We're great, Jeff. How are you? That's good. Doing okay, buddy. I was actually uh, able to see the game Friday night, so uh, that was good, and I'm going to be able to see the Jets game this Saturday. Oh, that's so great. I'm very happy about that, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, just a couple of comments and a question. Um, yes. I was very surprised to see uh, Dale Robinson being able to come off the PUP this soon. I mean, he only had surgery like eight months ago or so, and uh, I, I thought, you know, I'm just surprised by that because from what I understood, it would always took uh, quite a bit of time to get over an ACL you know, and become back 100%. So that's Did I miss one. No, he never came off Pup. No, I don't he, know. No, no, yeah. the, the Jeff, he, Jeff he's, he's still on Pup. He's not off Pup yet. Oh, I thought I saw him on uh, Twitter this morning. He was coming off today. I have that, that that has not happened officially. If that was a report, okay. I Pearson, did you see that? Did you see any that about a report? I didn't. No, I've not seen see anything. anything. I mean, I read Brian no. Dable's comments earlier in I the mean, show. Joe okay. Shane said on a radio interview like a couple weeks ago that he could be coming off, you know, within a week or two, and that's kind yeah, of the okay. only thing we've seen. But no, nothing, nothing that is official, Jeff. I'm like, oh, did I miss something I, while the show was going yeah. on? <laughs> was, you yeah. just scared yeah. me. Okay, that for um, maybe I misread it. Um, does anybody else think that? Um, Darren Waller is more like a plaxico than a tight end, besides me. Has <laughs> anybody got that impression? Look, I think they will use him, Jeff, as an ex-receiver. And by ex-receiver, you mean a guy that's lined up by himself, one-on-one, on one side of the field that you trust to win one-on-one. He right. will be used in that spot, which is the exact type of spot that they use Plaxico Burris. And yeah. now, is he going to be there full-time like Burris? No. Can he be <clears throat> used in that type of position? Yes. Is he... As fast down the field on deep balls as Plaxico, probably not. But look, right. he he's right. gonna be their number one big bodied target. He just is. That's what he's gonna be. Right. And the yeah. Raiders used him in a oh, spot yeah. like that sure. plenty of times where I mean they put him out wide and they had him go one on one and they even threw him the deep ball in that situation. I remember there was a prime time game, I think it was Raiders Dolphins, and you had Derek Carr got hurt. Mariota came in and one of Mariota's first passes was deep down the left sideline to Darren Waller for a touchdown. So if the Raiders did that, then the Giants could certainly yeah. tap into that. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh one other thing, uh has have you anybody there ever gotten any feedback about uh, how the new field is from anybody? It's actually anybody funny. It? Sterling Shepard was actually asked that today in media availability, Jeff. And, and for him, he said it feels a little bit thicker, but he kind of shrugged and he said, for me, turf is turf. It really doesn't make much a difference to me. Um, Brian Dable said he thinks it's been fine. I don't think I've heard any other players talk about yeah. it yet, but we haven't heard any yeah. complaints. No one got hurt. So I guess those are two good check marks. Yeah, yeah, well, hopefully, uh, the, you know, not being injured, uh, I hope it stays that way. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you. Have a good afternoon. Hey, appreciate the call. And um, JKB0209121 chimes in. Ahmad Bradshaw, seventh-round pick. That would obviously be, and he's 100% right. I yeah. was, was going to bring him up. I didn't go all the way back to 2007. I stopped short of, like, 2010. Sure. But, yes, yeah. he's but, obviously a, a big seventh-round pick that contributed that year. But I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, tweeter, that I think, Bradshaw, the preseason that year, he might have had a foot injury. I'm not sure he was that active that preseason. I don't remember him being extremely active, and that's why I go I'd back. I have to check that. That was that, the but preface to my comment. I don't remember that necessarily, but it's a, it's a good tweet. I remember us talking about Bradshaw when the regular season rolled around and some of the plays, especially late in the season. I don't remember I don't... having a conversation about the preseason and once again saying, okay, you know, watch out for this player. And, that, and that's why I think Jordan Riley stands out because we're talking about every single preseason game, we discuss something that he did that could very well apply to the regular season. All those other guys, Tate Crowder, and some of those offensive linemen we threw out, I don't recall ever discussing, okay, I could see a scenario where the Giants coaching staff has enough confidence that they would put them in, forget a starting spot, but just having some type of a role where they get X amount of snaps per game. And Bradshaw, in fairness, did wind up carving out a very nice role for him and multiple seasons turned out to be that case. But preseason, you'd be, once again, you'd be very hard-pressed to put somebody in the conversation of Jordan Riley. And that, to me, is what is extremely impressive, especially when you take into consideration how they went about finding him through the scouting process. I gotta be honest with you. What are you trying to bring up, the preseason log? Let's see if I have preseason. I don't think you're going to get that. I have regular that. season yeah, and postseason. I, I cannot. Yeah. I, I tried three or you, four different things. Did you try, I if check. you Google maybe 2007 I, preseason stats. Nothing comes up. I you try. sure? Nothing. Yeah, I try. Sometimes it. you'll get 
some type of arcade. Pearson, we're already over. Tell Charlie. Ask, ask Charlie if he can call back another show. I just don't want to start this conversation here at 2.31. We're more than welcome to take him on a different show. I just don't want to start it this late. Is he okay with that? He's cool. Not that I really care. Well, I'm sure he has some obscure seventh-round pick that he'd like to throw out. So I'm sure he does. It's a shame that the viewers and the listeners won't get him to chime in. I could tell that everybody's all emotionally worked up, so we want to keep everybody in their thoughts and prayers to somehow get through the remainder of this show sure. without hearing from Charlie. Surely someone that attended Maine University. Or University of Maine, I guess. Oh, yes. Well, yes. well, the guy that I'm thinking of was not a draft pick, so he can't make a case for that individual. If we're talking about somebody in recent history, that was at least... On the roster that You're I'm referring to. Well, I'm talking about the wide receiver turned tight end. Oh, That's who I was referring yes. to. Yeah. I so. think he didn't he just pick up. I think he picked up somewhere. Charlie called up about he was all excited a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? of course. Well, yeah, it's up. like the, what, the former uh, French wide receiver. Remember, he got picked up by the Falcons and we almost threw a parade. The get Canyon the, of Heroes was reserved because Get the Charlie man's name up. right. Pepe Le Pew. I'm sorry. To Charlie. Yes. Well, okay. <laughs> that would be Anthony. Excuse him, why? That so, be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Charlie <laughs> joked with him, and then we always yes. had to correct him. Anthony Dable. That was the name of the French yeah. wide well, receiver, I mean, which I players, can't believe I remember, by the way. Well, well, kudos to you. Congratulations. But the bottom line is these players, you would think right. that he would have such a fascination with them that rolling the name off his tongue would be relatively easy to do, right? But clearly they don't make that level of impact on him. He will he will occasionally show said be Joe Kim Noah highlights, by the way, on Twitter. Right. Well, I'm glad that at least <laughs> you get of himself the pride of that. I appreciate well, that. Congratulations. Well, now we're going to get Tim Tebow highlights because we've had, <laughs> we've had now former basketball players yeah, and broadcasters slash NFL players that never were on the Giants anyway. roster. We're equal opportunists on We didn't this even program. take his call. We ended up talking about him anyway. So Charlie well, wins. There we you lose. go. Absolutely. Well, Lance, anytime we can have fun at his expense, I won't. Shy away from that. So Good stuff. That's buddy. a win for me, too. You got it. Tomorrow, yeah. I believe we're back with uh, Madeline Burke and Howard Cross on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Check that out. Thanks for being with us, everybody. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. And again, that's 11 a.m. A new time. Make sure Set you the check alarm. it out. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.